0: Hypothalamic inflammation was found to create more body fat and obesity and higher rates of insulin resistance. And more body fat and insulin resistance was creating more inflammation in the hypothalamus. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's creating this vicious circle for people. And nobody's talking about dealing with the inflammation in, in our brains in order to heal our metabolism.
1: All right, everyone. Welcome to Heal Thyself, another special show. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. You all know Sean Stevenson. He's coming to the show for the third time. And this guy is one of the most talented I'm pulling studies out of thin air and citing them. I don't know how he has this memory, but he's amazing at talking about all things nutrition. But we're going a little bit deeper, especially than we did the last two times. Sean Stevenson is coming here and talking about What sort of things are holding back proper weight loss from a nutritional standpoint? It's not just about eating these amount of calories and then burning more. It goes deeper. It's a certain amount of calories, but also what's going on in the brain? How does that even play a role in weight loss? What about inflammation in the gut? We also go into the nitty gritty about pharmaceutical companies. Listen, I said I wasn't gonna talk much about the COVID vaccine, but he goes in on the COVID vaccine. Did you know the reality of what you've been told on TV, on the news, is very different than what we saw on the studies. And this is one of the most objective guys. He does not have an agenda. All he does is speak unbiased truth, and he's coming with that truth on all of this stuff. All things nutrition, all things you need to be eating for your health, for your brain, for inflammation, for your gut, but also talking about the nitty gritty of the COVID vaccine. It's about time we talk about this. Also, my knowledge bomb, guess what I'm talking about? Butthole sunning. How many of you have seen this trend on TikTok or Instagram? Uh, so many people are out there doing the happy baby pose and getting sun in their perineum and into their butt crack. What the hell? Uh, is it efficacious? Is it, is it safe? Should we be doing it? I'm gonna talk all about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you fact or fiction, myth or we should be doing it. We're gonna get into that nitty gritty. I can't wait for the special guest segment. Let's get into this show. Heal yourself coming at you. hey everyone look the third time Sean Stevenson is on this show what a gift man this is as you didn't hear him on the past episodes he was dropping bombs about all things from eating from sleeping from inflammation to brain health we're covering all of it and more he's a best-selling author he's got one of my favorite podcasts the og one the one I've been listening to for so long the model health show man the man is back on heal I self Sean welcome back thank you
0: man it's always great to hang out with you brother I
1: appreciate you dude. It's, it's just a pleasure to, it's not often people come on the show three times, but it's just Repeat. so easy yeah. to talk with you. And you always have such like enriching information. And I don't know where you have these studies. I don't know if you got a cheat sheet in your brain or something, but <laughs> you're just pulling <laughs> the out. Mitchell the mental Rolodex. The, yeah, the Rolodex, the yeah. dates, the titles, man. I was like, man, this guy knows. So, uh, listen, off air we were talking about all things we want to talk about, but I got a question for you right now. Can inflammation be one of the leading cause why people are not losing weight? Oh man, this is such a great question and such an important
0: part of the conversation because if we look at the the typical modalities of what we're taught to do in order to lose weight and you look at our society right now, right now we have somewhere in the ballpark about 250 million Americans are overweight or obese. And millions, tens of millions of people are, are on diets right now trying to get this thing figured out. And they're following this conventional playbook, but oftentimes finding themselves not only not losing weight or struggling to lose weight, but oftentimes gaining more weight. And a big part of the equation that's left out that might be the biggest controlling factor is inflammation, and I'll tell you why. So researchers at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, they did this really fascinating study, and they determined that there's this really powerful, profound association with inflammation in the brain and obesity, All right, so what they found was that essentially, and let me be very specific about this, hypothalamic inflammation, Mm. right? So the hypothalamus is often considered to be like the kind of master gland in the brain. The pituitary, they pass it back and forth, the king and queen, right? But the hypothalamus is controlling a lot of what's going on with your metabolism. And downstream, of course, is connected to your thyroid as well, so it's on that super highway. And so hypothalamic inflammation was found to create more body fat and obesity and higher rates of insulin resistance. And more body fat and insulin resistance was creating more inflammation in the hypothalamus. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's creating this vicious circle for people. And nobody's talking about dealing with the inflammation in in our brains in order to heal our metabolism. So it's essentially because your brain, and this was from researchers at Yale, they determined that essentially your brain is in this constant contact with your gut. You know, we know about the gut-brain connection. The vagus nerve is very popular right now, right? But there's a lot more connective pathways. But your brain could tell your gut to reduce the assimilation of calories from the food that you eat based on your brain's assessment in your nervous system of what you have stored up Mm. and the threats that your body has, right? So it might make your body, in, in essence, in one modality, if you're facing chronic stress, a kind of fight or flight response or a fear generated response. Hey, I'm, I don't know when this next meal is gonna come. I need to hang on or absorb as much as I can and tuck this away and make it hard to lose, right? Just based on our perception and our, our, on our exposures. So again, this is a really important part of the conversation, but this leads to what we could talk about, which is we know that body fat and insulin resistance creates more inflammation in the brain, absolutely. But what are some of the other contributing factors to brain inflammation that's causing all these downstream problems?
1: You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us wanna look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best and they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alaturia Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. Our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall run down, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed. If you wanna experience the energy-boosting, liver-supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifyShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. And that's, that's what I really wanna get into because you're talking about, and we know, okay, the body fat, even the cycle without people understanding, okay, wait, hold on. If I'm carrying extra weight, that's causing inflammation in itself disrupting my brain. And then you're talking about the way you said it, the highway, the superhighway, past the thyroid's affecting the thyroid, full body inflammation. But what else? Well, Okay, so when when we think about the brain and the gut, some of us know, okay, yeah, you know, you might just be eating a crappy diet, processed foods, that's gonna affect your brain. What else are you finding in your research and what you're putting out there that is really having an effect on our brain and hence downstream weight loss?
0: Yeah, yeah. So again, this is the the HPA axis, right? The hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And along that superhighway, we have the gut interaction, we have the mm-hmm. thyroid, we have, you know, so many different things that are going on. Even our heart is kind of extending off from that and people don't talk about that as well. We, This is part of the problem too. We We see our bodies in these parts, these isolated entities, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not understanding like literally what's going on with your toes is affecting your brain, right? right? You know, everything is connected and here's the, the, the the biggest part of this equation, we're talking about inflammation in the brain. Your brain is made from the food that you eat. It's literally made from the food that you eat. It's creating the physical substance of your brain. And same thing with your heart. It's literally made from the food that you eat. And so when I'm looking at you, I'm seeing the food that you've eaten, mm-hmm. right? Or the lack thereof, like key nutrients. And so as, and I've got some really remarkable people who are friends. I just did a, a guest lecture for the, the neuroscience department at NYU. And up there, we've got uh, Dr. Lisa Moscone. We've got Dr. Wendy Suzuki. Wendy. The list goes on and on. Dr. Daniel Amon's a good friend. He wrote the cover quote for my book. It's crazy to say that these people are my friends. Right? right. I'm from Ferguson, Missouri. Like, It's crazy that I'm even in this position right, right. now. But I can tell you this when they're getting their conventional training, same as me, in my university nutrition class, we're not really taught about, so for example, for studying the brain, we, there's a disconnect between realizing that the brain you're looking at in your patient is made from the food they've eaten, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you're not, there's a huge fundamental flaw in science and health if you don't understand that you're treating an organ made from food and what kind of quality are those foods made of? So with that said... The human brain is. When people talk about the, you know, the brain being mostly fat, it's it's actually mostly water, of course. It's upwards of eighty percent water. But of the dry weight of the human brain, it is made of fats, and they're critically important, and helping to kind of. Helping to kind of subdue inflammation, and so what I mean by this is, if we talk about omega threes, for example, these are quote anti-inflammatory fats, whereas omega six are pro-inflammatory. And this is very rudimentary, the way that I'm classifying this, because it's not all black or white like that. But with that said, so what kind of fats are the brain made of, and what do we need? Sphingolipids, we need phospholipids, and cholesterol. Now this is a dirty word here. It is. I'm not, this is no joke. Literally, when I was leaving the house just now, my wife, because we just did something for our insurance. I had to get like blood work done you know, got kids and all that. And so she was like reading my results. I'm like, babe, I gotta go, I'm about to go see my guy. Like, I gotta go. She's like, babe, your HDL is really high. And I'm just like, oh, that's amazing. But the way she said it though, she didn't know if that was a good thing. Mm. I was like, you know, I got that, I got that HDL, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. long HDL. And so what's springing from that obviously is, this is correlated with better cardiovascular health. However, it's all put in, the, in a ratio. Right. You know, and that, the ratio is what's important. But the cholesterol has become this dirty word when in reality, and I'll just give you a fundamental piece of this. From our diet, that cholesterol that we're eating is not what's showing up in our brains. Your brain is making cholesterol on tap as, it's, as it needs it because it's so important and literally building compounds. And so cholesterol is required for you building your sex hormones, all right? It's very, very important. But your body is making a lot of it. Your brain is making it for itself. Your liver is making what's predominantly found in your body. Now, with that said, in in our modern dictation of cholesterol, which has driven this multi, multi, multi-billion dollar statin industry, and I just shared this recently as well, and, and you know, had a great conversation with one of the foremost experts in statins and cholesterol, Dr. Johnny Bowden. And this paper just came out, and it's this huge meta-analysis, finding that essentially statins are not appropriate for people who are on a low carbohydrate diet. There's no benefit whatsoever. And increased risk when taking a statin, because according to their data, taking a statin can increase your risk of developing diabetes by upwards, well somewhere in the ballpark of 30%. Observational data, it was like 18 to 99% increased incidence and then like clinical trial data, upwards of about 20%. Mm -hmm. And so understanding these pieces now, what makes it a dirty word is LDL and HDL, right. right? And so when I say high density lipoprotein, low density lipoprotein, I didn't say cholesterol with either of those terms because they're carriers, mm. all right? So these are kind of like the cars that cholesterol is driving in. But one car is the bad car, right? Right. This right. is the, the, the Joker mobile and HDL is the Batmobile, right? But in reality, since the, the dawn of humanity, We've been making LDL because it has a critical role in our health, and so to, to villainize one form of a carrier that your body naturally creates to, to, to drive functions in our body is so ignorant. Mm-hmm. But again, if you can create that dichotomy, you can create a drug for it, mm-hmm. right? And what it does is it intervenes in a process of cholesterol creation that also is involved in the creation of things like CoQ10,
1: right?
0: right? Which is protective of your cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. And this is why we see long term data, and this is what the study found. And I can give you the, the link for you guys to put in the mm-hmm. show notes. But essentially, they found that when folks are put on a statin, their lifespan is going to be increased. You know, all cause mortality, you know, putting up against that, their lifespan is going to be increased by anywhere from negative five days to about 25 days. Okay. That is how much life you get when you're on a statin. Right. That is supposedly protecting you from the number one cause of death in the United States, right. right? And so there's something not adding up here. And you take this drug for ten years because your doctor said you know you need a statin, you have high cholesterol, you get these side effects, you know the cognitive decline, the increased insulin resistance, all these lower quality of life for those ten years, and then you get an extra ten days, or again as little as negative five days, right? Something's not adding up here, but all the while you're funding, you're, you're just putting this into the pockets of this industry that at this point, it's, it's primarily profiting from the suffering of our, of our citizens. And so, but just to bring this all back to the point with, you know, the brain and are there anything in particular that's driving this inflammation? It's a, number one, it's a lack of its building blocks. So things that help to modulate inflammation like omega 3s and we could talk more about this this is so important in this conversation because one of the studies that I put in my in my latest book Eat Smarter was looking at folks who had the lowest intake of omega 3 fatty acids had the highest rate of brain shrinkage right and your brain is very good at not metabolizing itself and so like when we would be in a state of famine if your brain was to eat itself that would not be something that would help to drive evolution so your body's very good at that However, these nutrients are so important because they're required to build your brain cells essentially or to protect them because they're needed for signal transduction, for repair, all these things. So deficiency in omega-3s, that's one of the key ingredients here and incredibly high intake of omega-6s, that's a problem, driving inflammation. And also, and this is the last part I'll share on this particular note, is our intake of sugar, right? So here's the crazy thing. So your brain is primarily made of fat. Not too far from that is, is, is proteins, you know, amino acids. So the difference here is not that much. Then minerals. Carbohydrates, very little. Your brain and your your brain is not storing very much carbohydrates. Like I'm talking, a fraction of a percent, mm. because it's so active, it's using all that, right? And it has this, you know, these gates, these sugar gates that allow sugar in in droves. And in, in some of the research, and, and also in conversation with Dr. Daniel Amen, we've really kind of zeroed in, in that in any given meal, your brain is going to compensate. it can confiscate up to 50% of the sugar you bring in in any meal. Halloween just passed as of this recording. So your brain, because of evolution, it's always reaching and grabbing for sugar that comes in mm. to drive functions, right? And so your brain, even though it's only about 2% of your body's mass, it is consuming about 25% of your caloric intake. It's crazy, like it's such a metabolically active organ and it makes sense. Michio Kaku said it's the most complicated object in the known universe. Mm. Powerful stuff, man. It's like that modern day Einstein, like to say something like that, but it requires a lot of energy. And so, but also there's highly combustible, like flash in the pan energy, then there's more sustainable energy, Yeah. right? And so, not storing carbohydrates, but yet burning so much of it if it's accessible because you're putting that into your system, that's one of those drivers. The metabolic waste from processing so much sugar is just tearing things apart in our brains.
1: Mm.
0: And that's what we're seeing too with Alzheimer's, right? Alzheimer's is also known to be type three diabetes is the name that scientists are using for it. And it's essentially this generation of insulin resistance in the brain. Right, because these glycolytic, these glycolytic processes, like so much is happening that your brain starts to tamper down. Right, it stops using it because it's literally tearing the your brain apart from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so those are some of the big things. Nutrient deficiencies and the things that the brain is made of and sustainable energy and also our crazy intake of sugar today.
1: And crazy intake. I remember we were talking a little bit about sugar. The last episode that we had, it's it's ungodly how much we eat sugar and how much it's hidden in our food system, so we think we're not even eating sugar because we're you know maybe going low fat or something, but there's sugar in there, and to understand then the body is utilizing that sugar, but it's sort of like that fast fuel and the combustible as the word you use, the byproducts are just wearing it down over the years, over the years, over the years. It's funny when when we think about it, it's like. People go for the sugar when they want their brain. I remember when I was in school, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm studying. I'm kind of like, it's like 3 a.m. I, I need something to hit me, so I just like maybe drink, drink a coffee with a lot of sugar, and I'll be buzzing. But people get used to this, and they think it's food for their brain. On the contrary, you're saying that we need those essential fats to stay away from the inflammatory ones. So in the context of all, context of all this, what does a healthy brain diet even look like mm. then for people viewing and listening? That's a great
0: question. And so I'm coming into this, We, I love talking with you, man. And also just being able to have these conversations because if we're going to be able to connect with people today, we have to be able to check our own biases and we have to be able to you know, lean into what our ancestors did to help us to get here. And so I'm coming into this, I don't have a dog in the fight. Like I don't care if a particular food is great for the brain or not. I'm going on what the data says and also what history has shown. And one of the things that I could I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe how incredible it was for the brain is olive oil, you know? And so, but then again, it makes sense it's been utilized for thousands of years. And I even spent, uh, I spent an unusual amount of time by myself watching videos on olive oil being made and just sitting there like, ooh, you know, it's so (laughs) weird, man. So, um, but the process, extra virgin olive oil, right? So this is cold process, cold pressed. It's literally just pressing the olives and you got the oil, right? You can get it filtered, that kind of thing, that's it. Now, with that said, researchers at Auburn University found that olive oil is one of the few substances that have ever been studied that's able to help to reduce brain inflammation, number one, and to help to repair the blood-brain barrier, which the blood-brain barrier is getting degraded and broken down via all of our sugar intake and also toxicants in our environment. Right, so all these abnormal exposures that we have. This substance, for whatever reason, helps to repair that. Like, that's crazy. There's such a resonance with our human DNA. And I don't, again, I don't care. But it is, it, it is what it is. And so that's one of those foods, if we're talking about a brain healthy diet, it's gonna include olive oil for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. And so how do we go about using it though is a question too. right. Because there are companies putting olive oil in these big plastic jugs, right? Traditionally, and for the most part, you're going to find it bottled in dark glass because it's also photosensitive, right? So olive oil is not just sensitive. It's sensitive to light, right? So heat and light can degradate the oil and create rancidity. And so it has to be protected. Now, this is, leans into the question, well, then does that mean I can't cook with it? I'm not saying that. All right, you can, but from my perspective, it would be low temperatures, low temperature cooking, and often traditionally it's used to finish dishes, like drizzle them on at the end, use it to make salad dressings, you put it on some sourdough bread, that kind of thing. Mm. Right? It's not typically something that you're going to do a lot of cooking with. When we're talking about cooking, you need something that's more stable, that's not going to oxidize, and you're just just consuming all of this, you know, these kind of reactive oxygen species and creating inflammation in your body. Because you're eating oils that are degraded, it's one of the worst things you could do. I was talking with my friend; she's so brilliant, Dr. Kate Shanahan. And recently, you know, being in LA now, she worked with the Lake the Lakers for several years, and actually got Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, in his healing process, after he tore his Achilles, like you know, so every time he would travel, like he'd go to the hotels. Like he, she got him like on the bone broth, like the collagen and all these minerals and all these things. And so, even when he traveled, he's making sure that. If he's not bringing it along, he's getting, you know, the stuff that Dr. Kate recommended. But she's been one of the big voices with these highly refined seed oils. So as I'm watching my olive oil videos, which is so weird that I'm saying this, I can't believe I'm sitting up here watching this stuff uh, for entertainment, but also you can put on a video and I encourage folks to go to YouTube and watch how canola oil is made.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, woo! I've seen that, I've seen that one.
0: It is, it's a dirty video. It's a whole different kind of, you know what I'm saying? I'm having my, you know, my kind of light and fluffy, you know, beauty, like, experience, watching olive oil being made, then I'm watching this, like, grimy, gritty crime documentary. Right. Right, right. And so it's so, it's so unusual because the amount of processing that needs to be done to extract something from, say, corn, corn oil, right, or canola oil, it's and it's such an intensive process because you get so little. Number one. Number two, for it to be extracted, we're going to need, we're going to need high heat processing. We're also going to need solvents, things to help to pull it out. And the solvents they're using are not pretty. And also the oil itself, and by the way, this was published in Inhalation Toxicology. All right. The journal there's journals for everything, by the way. I uh, know, I've seen it. <laughs> this is the journal that's dedicated to Inhalation toxicology, right? And they found that just smelling canola oil during cooking can damage your DNA. Yeah, 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 yeah. So quote, vegetable oil, right? Let's just make make it clear. So this is corn oil, soy, soy oil, uh, canola oil, combination. And I remember when my mom started getting vegetable oil because she thought it was healthier. It mm-hmm. said vegetable oil. Yeah. It. And it's so, it's, it's, that's such a nefarious act to do something like that. And so, you know, and the crazy thing is, when you extract this product, now we've got this substance that smells terrible and tastes worse, so they use deodorizers, right? So they use different treatment processes to try to make it palatable and to make it smell good, right, and it's still, even with all of that sounds very cost intensive, by doing it at scale and making it so that even when you go to Whole Foods and you go to the hot bar and this shit is cooked in canola oil, Mm-hmm. they make it so widespread that they're making a killing. It seems cost intensive to do, but man, the scale at which they do it, they're making a fortune. So they're not gonna be quick to like acknowledge that this is, hey, this might not be too right. good for, for you. And I brought all this in with Kate Shanahan to say, so she brought to me this study, which was crazy. They did a biopsy on humans like in the early part, like the 1900s and looked at the contents of their fat cells and they found that their cells, the fat cell itself, was made about 2% PUFAS, right? These polyunsaturated fatty acids, which are primarily today are coming from uh, vegetable oils, versus a biopsy done recently, just like you know, within the last 10 years from humans. And they found that the contents of a fat cell is now about 25% PUFAS, polyunsaturated fatty acids, very volatile fats, right? So this is the, the ingredients that are making humans has changed radically. Like the recipe for us. We're something different now than we used to be. Mm. And you could see this in our health outcomes. You know, I mentioned 250 million of our citizens are now overweight or obese. On top of that, about 130 million Americans are diabetic or pre diabetic. Autoimmune conditions have skyrocketed. We got about 50 million Americans with autoimmune conditions. These were rare just a few decades ago. Childhood obesity has tripled in the last 30 years. You know, uh, 60% of Americans have some degree of heart disease. Like, I can just go on and on and on. Like, this stuff was r- rare, if even around. I don't. Don't even get me started on allergies. You know, yeah. like, something has changed dramatically. And part of that, a big part of that, is the ingredients we're making our bodies out of. Mm. Right, so, olive oil, definitely brain food. Canola oil, vegetable oil, not a brain food. Another uh, really interesting brain food in that category. And, you know, obviously, again, we're in this place where we've got these extremes with diet, where we got our, our carnivore friends and we've got our vegan friends, and they're all at these polar ends. It's, very, it's like
1: political parties. You it's know what I'm it's the worst, man. I stepped out of it.
0: Yeah, you, I don't want to be involved. You have to bow out, you know what I'm saying? Because we tend to, what happens when we get in this polarized perspective, same with politics. You might not even believe in all the things, but because you're a part of the party, you got to subscribe to the kit. Everything. And the other party is just idiots, and they're trying to kill people, and they should die. That's the pr- that's the problem too, that starts to come from that. Which is this is supposed to be about love and humanity and connection?
1: It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience to prove it's not only delicious so many benefits especially heart health is because of its antioxidant capacity purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative, organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light, medium roast with sweet, fruity notes and their dark roast with rich, bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and healthspan is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day creatine, and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights, and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth.
0: So there might be like right now, a um, propaganda against broccoli, right? Of all things, you know, this, what seems this harmless little vegetable. But if you look at the data, it's really cool with some of the, like the anthocyanins that broccoli provides. And it's one of the foods that's been found to, again, help to reduce brain inflammation. Another one would be, and this one's gonna be a little bit weird, still, ironically, but in, in your community, not so much, but spirulina, right? Spirulina. This is an algae, which again, is strange to our culture. Like if I'm going from chicken McNuggets and fish sticks and macaroni and cheese is my primary diet as a kid. And then you got some algae, like there's, that bridge is like, how, how, how are we gonna get there? But it's been utilized for, again, thousands of years and was a primary protein source for certain civilizations, like different parts of the world, like Chad in Africa, uh, the Aztecs, right? But part of the reason is 71% protein by weight, one of the most protein-dense things ever discovered. But what's remarkable about it is not just that. It also has rare compounds like phycocyanin that uh, a couple of studies have found that this is one of the rare nutrients ever discovered that can help to uh, do something called stem cell genesis, right? The creation of new stem cells. Crazy stuff, like that shouldn't even be a thing. But spirulina has something really special about it and also the diversity of micronutrients, great source of magnesium, you know, the list just goes on and on. Now, one of the studies, this was in eSmarter as well, I I believe it was in the Public Library of Science, but they found that spirulina, again, is one of those foods that can help to reduce neuroinflammation specifically, Mm. all right? So there's a resonance there with the human brain and healing the brain within spirulina. So I think that's about three good foods there. And of course, there's several more, but those are the ones that if we're specifically talking about inflammation to look for, uh, olive oil, broccoli, spirulina.
1: It's funny because not a lot of us think about spirulina from that part. The latter part is like, oh, yeah, I heard about that one. I know a lot of vegans like it, you know. Yeah. But really, you can get good quality spirulina, right? You just go to your Whole Foods Even and has pretty good quality yeah. spirulina. Stay away from the ones that are really, they're not sourced properly or they're growing them in vats and, in a different country, poor quality, but lo- we'll look into that, and, I- and I'll talk a little bit about more about that myself, but I love that you talked about the seed oils. I love that you know. there's a lot of, I-, I can think of one particular cardiologist on Instagram who's so pro-canola oil saying, no, what are you talking about? You know, like it is not gonna raise inflammation in the body. I talk about the processing. I don't even talk about the GMOs at that point, the yeah. glyphosate. Um, But she just champions all the seed oils. And there's a lot of controversy. Have you, how do you feel about some people saying, no, you know what, like, that's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. Seed oils are fine versus like what a lot of us who are looking at everything saying, no, no, actually seed oils not only affect your brain, your gut overall, inflammation overall. What do you find that people are championing seed oils with? Why are they saying they're so good? Man, I love this. I love this so much. This is bringing up
0: such an important revelation for everybody today, which is today you can find data to affirm just about any perspective, especially when it comes to diet. So please understand that. What we have to do is check our biases and look at what is the what does the majority of our data show, number one. And number two, being able to, if you want to be a researcher, you have to be able to develop the ability to discern high quality data versus low quality data, right? And so for me, I'm coming into it, I'm aware of my biases, which I do have a bias towards what have humans been doing the longest. I think it's a logical bias and it just does. I get a red flag when something new comes up and it's just like, oh, this new thing, yeah. canola oil, we just invented, you know, last week, my guy Vinny at the lab came up with this shit, right? Some new food product so pervasive in the human diet just in the last couple of decades never existed before in our evolution a red flag is going to come up but i have to check my bias and be open to it being something maybe we found something that's going to unlock superpowers like you know i i and i have i've i just crossed my 20th year in this field all right and it was actually this past month in in october mm, congrats and thank you man and thank you and so but through that process we go through phases. If you're really about that life, if you're really dedicated to excellence in this field, you're going to go through a phase of being dogmatic. And your way is the right way, right? I went through that. (laughs) Fortunately, I went through that very early on in my career. And also working as a nutritionist and being somebody who's responsible for people's, you know, for even businesses, like, you know, uh, uh, which is crazy to say this now, but like one of these top banks would bring me in like as a wellness professional to like work with their team, all this stuff and but being responsible because truly i'm telling people what to make their tissues out of people don't get that it's such a it's such a huge gift and responsibility when you're in that position and so having this like opportunity to see this i go through that phase of dogma and then i realize that you know what everybody is different every single human being no two people have ever had the same diabetes ever in the history of humanity Mm -hmm. We have a unique microbial fingerprint. Like even identical twins, their microbiomes can be radically different. And so, like, there's this great data set actually from researchers in St. Louis where I'm from, um, of twins, right? So, like St. Louis University, and looking at how if you know, identical twins, they're the same. They, you know, these are double leggers, you know what I mean? Like they're you can't get more similar. But looking at their microbiome, seeing a ratio. Of more kind of dysbiotic bacteria, or even just we'll just say a certain class like Firmicutes, right? Versus Bacteroidetes. So Bacteroidetes is more associated with healthy body composition, insulin sensitivity, or Firmicutes are associated with obesity, insulin resistance. High ratio of Firmicutes in identical twins, that twin is going to be overweight, versus his identical counterpart, cu- counterpart who doesn't have that ratio. Yeah. Right. And so we're all so unique. And so bringing this back to the point of, you know, as we're doing this, we evolve and we get to this place to be able to check our biases and realize that we're all unique and we all have different needs and even that changes. And so giving ourselves permission, I started to just empower my clients when they would come in. Of course, if they're coming in, they got diabetes, I'd help them for the first time they might have had diabetes for 10 years, 20 years. They're on metformin, insulin. Not once has anybody taken the time to tell them what the fuck diabetes is. Mm-hmm. How did it happen? So I would literally, I had my, you know, my dry erase board and I'd show them, You know, I had this diagram at the okay. pancreas and I'm like, you know, so the, we're, we're, we have these beta cells and alpha cells and I'm educating this. But I went to a traditional university and I was miseducated. Right, miseducation of Lord Hill, not specifically a word, but I was miseducated. Mm-hmm. And I, there was a disconnect. Like, so I'm being taught this stuff in biology, right, in this nutritional science class that didn't, still didn't really have any res- relevance to me as a person, right? And so what I did was I re- I went on my struggles and the pain I went through, and I pulled from that to like, why didn't, why didn't I care, why didn't I Performing my life like my health mattered like why? Did I neglect things it's because I just wasn't taught in a way that made sense So knowing that I made it magical and I could see their eyes light up when they're like, oh like That's that's it like that's how it works and we can reverse engineer it, right? And so but each person is different too. It's kind of a again very similar framework but when it boils down to it even though they might know the actions For that person, their story, what's driving them towards the behavior that manifests this condition could be, you know, their stresses within their family construct,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? This could be trauma they went through when they were a child, right? This could be feelings of not being worthy, you know, and like deserving of health or feelings of learned helplessness that they've developed because they've been trying so many things, right? And so that's where it really comes to is that uniqueness in our messaging and just to circle back to this, this craziness today, which is beautiful, but it's also it's still the wild, wild west. When we're getting data on you know, this thing versus this thing and in this conversation with canola oil, so we got some researchers who were like, that's ridiculous. Canola oil is like this wonderful new invention, I'll put a little emphasis on that still, because That's my bias, but we have to look at what does the majority of data say? And the majority of data says that these compounds, the compounds found within these things are very, very dangerous for human biology. And I made a point that a lot of these guys don't know, unfortunately, the ingredients, like what the human cell, the average fat cell of our citizens today is now made so much more of this shit than it did a hundred years ago. Like we're making our bodies out of different stuff. Is this okay? Now, here's the biggest proof that I have. Look at our society. Just look around. The results are not good. The change that's happened in our diet, clearly something is awry. And they could point the finger at, again, a lot of things. Again, sugar and alcohol and toxicants and all these different things. But truly, if you look at the majority of data with these pro-inflammatory fats, this omega-6 kind of dominant seed oil category, we have to just be more cautious at this point, at least. At least come into this with caution. And I challenge people who are kind of pioneering the message that these oils are safe to just look at the other data. Don't, don't ignore it. And don't downplay it. Say, hey, there is data showing that this thing is dangerous. And there's actually a lot. However, this is my perspective. It's not the end-all, be-all. Don't make it the end-all, be-all. So even today... Anything that I say is not the end all be all. Spirulina, great data. It's been used for thousands of years. I don't know. It might cause your, you know, I don't know, eyebrows to turn upside down or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, Take everything with, have perspective, but also understand that you have to do what's best for you right now. Mm-hmm. and And also learning from people who resonate with you. And also, I'm just gonna put this out here too. We got to start to listen to people who are really about that life. You know, if you're if if this person is telling you how good canola oil is and they're visually, you can see they're not really that. that, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to be in that state that they're in. Just be able to like we got to use our our senses, be sensible, you know, and this isn't about some superficial vanity metric because we're talking about metabolic health. Is this person metabolically healthy? And your eyes don't lie to you. So when we're when we're seeing a state where we're, oh man, I just talked to my 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 auntie Janet. She just texted me. She's turned 78, and she's been such a light in my life, you know, such a light in my life, and it, it brought me back to how many people we've lost. She's outlived. And I didn't know my auntie was listening to my podcast. And I didn't know that she, she because initially, initially when we talked a few years ago, she was having trouble sleeping. And she read my book. My, my auntie read my book. And she sent me a message. She was just like, I love you so much. I just wanted to let you know that I'm sleeping through the night now and I'm paying, and I'm watching you, and I'm so proud of you, and all these things, man. I about started bawling, mm. you know, in this parking lot. I was going to, to this hyperbaric chamber. You know, which is crazy. Like, even see, this whole sentence structure is just weird, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, to, to, to hear that aspect, but then to know all the people we lost because about 90% of our family members, including my Auntie Janet, obese. I grew up in, in this, you know, in the black church community growing up because, you know, she's very big, you know, in, in the church. And just how many people have passed away, all right? Including her sister recently you know, who our younger sister. And so, man, it's just been tough to to be able to to witness this, to see and to accept, to normalize a state where we're not well and we're a ticking time bomb. Because I don't care. I. We're not talking about being this superficial metric of every this one size fits all and people being, you know, excessively thin or whatever the case might be. We're talking about you being healthy, right? And if that means you're thicker than the snicker, but you have good metabolic health, man, so be it, that's beautiful. But if we're venturing into a state of being overweight or obese, and we can see your biomarkers for like, now you have a 50% increased risk of having a stroke, we gotta do something about that. Let's, let's keep you safe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's keep you safe and happy so that you can be here for your family members. And I'm so grateful
1: that my, that my Auntie Jen is still here with me. Mm. Very powerful, man, because I know what it feels like to have a loved one reach out who, when you least expect it, go, hey, you know, I've been listening to your show or I've been by list- well, reading your book. feels really nice because you know that your impact is in the most inner circle of your life. Yeah. And in many ways, you've extended her life just by you being you, how powerful that is. But wow. we see so much of that, man, just... Uh, I mean, I have family back in New York who aren't the healthiest eaters, aren't at the healthiest metabolic... Uh, status of their life or, or weight, you know? Um, but that's the information we put out, you know? And whatever sticks, this sticks and, and they grab it and it betters their life. It really resonated with me when you talk about tune in. Tune in to how you see the person talking to you. Tune in when you're at your doctor's office and they're telling you, you got all these things going on, but man, hold on, what about you? You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah. I need someone who's healthy metabolically they 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 they're glowing, they're telling me how to eat, but even better, tune in. Is that even true for you? Right, because so many, it may be that someone is telling me broccoli is amazing, right, and I know it's amazing, but maybe the person's body doesn't like broccoli, like it does yes, romaine yes. lettuce, yes. right? So that's a, a lot of my work. I've been trying to get people to tune into their body. What the hell do you want? What does your body want? We're so intuitive, man. I'm telling you, there's too much noise. You know, we got to just reduce it to the people like, what you're saying, man, look, hey, this is what most of the science says. You know, there's some people talking about it. But how about this? You tune in. How do I feel? right, how do I feel right now? Let me close my eyes. I'm consuming canola oil. Ooh, because I know for me, I know when a restaurant is using canola oil. I know it. Because my bot, my stomach just closes up before the meal just ends. Mm. It's like my body's like, no more, and I'm not hungry the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And I know when they use, like my friend over in Hermosa, shout out to Dr. Um, uh, Amber. She's used. She has amazing, amazing, amazing uh, restaurant called Source Cafe. She puts olive oil, coconut oil, and avocado. That's it. Doesn't cook with anything else. Man, I eat so much food there mm. because my body's like, more nourish me, nourish me. So. Try it out for people at home. If you've been using vegetable oil, switch. Just make a, a switch for two weeks and see if you feel better. That's right. yeah. Listening to the body, man, yeah. listening to the body. I love that you talked about that. Um, we talk a lot about gut stuff, and I know that you, you have talked ad nauseum about gut stuff. But really, the connection between the brain and the gut, and you mentioned the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. is there a way that we can make sure that that communication is on fire? Like it's communicating dee, 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 all the time. Is there, is there a way that we can make sure that we are feeding the brain from the gut, the brain to the gut, over and over, and we're having a healthy communication process? Is there, is there any research on this? This is a great question.
0: So I just had this conversation with, this guy is one of my heroes, uh, Dr. Emmerin Mayer. He's a gastroenterologist out of UCLA. Hmm. He's been studying the microbiome and the gut for 40 years. The O-O-G. Yes, so back when people were just like, are you crazy, you studying shit? Like, what is wrong with you, right? <laughs> and he's just like, no, shit is the future, you know? <laughs> he was right. He's like, you shit need- is the shit. He's like, you need to get on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, being able to, to have these conversations with, with somebody like him is super powerful. And he's also been bringing about this message of the gut-immune connection, the gut-brain connection, because you just kind of start to see that articulated in his work over the years. And one of the things that we just talked about, which was so fascinating, because with the gut-brain connection, you know, this, this feelings of what we call, like, quote, gut feelings, there's such, a, there's such a breadth of scientific backing of that. And, for example, with stress being a catalyst for the development of things like ulcers for example or uh, gastric reflux or you know um this generated thing where stress is making abnormalities take place in our gut let's just put it like that so one of the things that he shared with me is that and this used to be actually a not a normal procedure but it definitely was more normal than it is today if somebody was experiencing gastrointestinal distress and the physician could kind of see maybe this is related to stress, they would cut the vagus nerve and instantly end their gastrointestinal distress. It would just stop. Cured them, right? However, what is the cost of doing business like that, right? But that, for me, it just like really helped me to visualize just how much our thoughts are affecting what's happening in our gut, right? But it's also vice versa. Because here's the problem with that procedure is that We know that at least 75% of the data happening on that super high with the vagus nerve is the gut informing the brain on what to do, what's going on. And so the brain is the governing entity that's determining system-wide what the body's going to do based on that data it's getting from the gut, right? And so if we cut that communication, we're cutting that person's, not just their lifespan, but their health span. Because there's going to be so many processes that are going to be discombobulated. Everything's going to be out of sync now. And so with that said, aside from cutting your vagus nerve, like what can we do to better inform and improve that information superhighway? I just talked about one of the big culprits here and a breakdown is stress. stress. Stress can really tear apart that connection. And we don't think about it and give it as much respect still today, unfortunately, because stress is psychological. Stress is calorie free. Stress is not tangible. In a sense, mm-hmm. however, uh, some recent research—and again, I give you everybody the link for this one—but there was this meta-analysis done, and the researchers concluded that upwards of eighty percent of physician visits today are for stress-related illnesses, right? Great. And so we don't really think about that because even if we're talking about a diet malfunction, right? Because we're consuming a bunch of you know ultra-processed foods. And isn't it funny that ultra-processed foods use canola oil? And isn't that funny? Not olive oil or coconut oil. Isn't that funny? Isn't you know, I'm funny. just going to throw that out there, too, mm-hmm. you know, for the, for the NOLA lovers out there. Um, but, you know, today the average American's diet is about 60% ultra-processed foods. It's from the BMJ. But that consumption of that thing that's so abnormal to our DNA, to our genes is going to elicit a stress response. That is, a, at its core, eating that shit is stressing your body in an unsafe way. Now, stress is not, part of the issue too is, again, we can get polarized with this. Stress is not all bad. We need stress. Everything, there's this ebb and flow in the body. We need stress to grow. We need stress to heal, right? But when we get into this state of excessive stress, or chronic stress, your body is breaking down far more than it's healing, Mm -hmm. right? We need hormetic stressors, therapeutic stressors to make us better, right? So exercise, for example, is a great hormetic stressor when done in an effective dose, even small doses. But when we over-exercise, then we can break down. We can die from that, you know? And now we'll just say, and hey, by the way, you're excessively exercising, but you're also eating well and you're getting great sleep, guess what, that's all gonna manage. All good, you're gonna still be leaning towards growth. But if we're excessively exercising, stressed in our relationship, diet stress, sleep deprivation stress, system's gonna break down, period. And then when you go in to your doctor, he's not gonna ask you about your fucking stress, he's gonna prescribe something. Right. You know, And that's the problem, it's not getting to the root cause of what Symptom is manifesting,
1: hmm.
0: right? Because oftentimes it's due to something that you are doing or something you're exposed to. And we're superficially going to give you a Band-Aid treatment instead of helping you to remove the cause. Now you become a cog in this machine, right? And we have this thing, you know, where we think we're, we're living longer today. Well, just in the last few years, that process is now reversed. And this has been affirmed. Our lifespan was going up for, you know, since the beginning of this being tracked, but now it's reversed. And this was prior to COVID, by the way, just to be clear. So for the we're, we're really the first, these the most recent generations are the first generations that are not going to outlive our predecessors, right? And I make the argument that we're not necessarily even living longer now, we're dying longer. Our health span is rapidly, dramatically depleted. And so we're just living out our days on a plethora of pharmaceutical meds and you know, a healthy diet of, you know, television and processed foods, and just kind of just staying around and not really being able to live life and enjoy life. That's what we really want. But the majority of our citizens are not empowered and taught how to do that. Yeah. And so to answer that question uh, in a roundabout way about what can we do to improve that connection, number one is always removing the cause of the dysfunction. Right? And so if we're putting things into our microbiome, our our gut bacteria, they're eaten, all right? So many things about you as a whole being, your microbes are doing. Now, the thing is, we have trillions more microbes than we do hu- human cells. And all of them have genes, too. And so the latest estimates are somewhere around 99% of the genes that we carry are microbial genes, just if we're going gene for gene. We're not mm-hmm. talking about the weight, mm-hmm. the mass of a gene, right? Which is very, you know, even in that conversation we're getting into more complex things that we don't understand yet. But with that said, we know about epigenetics and nutrigenomics, nutrigenetics, right? So what we eat influences our genetic expression instantaneously, instantaneously. Same thing happens with our microbes, right? So we're changing what they're doing. We're changing what compounds they're... Are they producing some short-chain fatty acids that are, you know, helping our cardiovascular system, repairing our gut? Are they producing metabolic waste products that are tearing our gut lining apart? Or are we consuming products that are making our microbes essentially die off? Yeah. Which is what we're seeing today if we look at the microbial makeup of a hunter-gatherer tribe you know that we still have lingering today versus the average American. We see literally like a quarter to half of the species that these hunter-gatherer tribes have are just gone from our microbiome. We just don't have them, right? So they're extinct then we have endangered species, right? But then we also see the increase. When we talk about dysbiosis, we're seeing an increase of more kind of pathogenic. I I prefer the term opportunistic bacteria, Mm -hmm. right? But even as I'm saying this, it's still sketchy waters because we don't want to be so polarized by that and think we need to kill all these bad bacteria. They play a role too. It's not that these, quote, bad bacteria, opportunistic bacteria are bad. It's just, they all need to be in a proper ratio and perspective because chances are, you'll find out that E. coli has a certain role that is beneficial that you didn't know about, but you don't want an E. coli sandwich. You know what I mean? And so with that said, removing the cause, one of those is being, you know, that processed food intake. Just shift your ratio. That's all I want you to do. Just shift your ratio. If you're like the average American, 60% of your food is ultra processed food, just shift that ratio. Flip that, 60-40, let's go 60% real whole foods, you can still recognize where they come from, and 40% processed foods. But if you want to really be a superstar at it, then you'll jump up to that 80-20, 90-10 ratio. And this doesn't mean that you can't, quote, can't have, that's part of the problem too, is our psychology. As a people, we don't like to be told what to do,
1: Right.
0: right? And so as soon as we put that rule on ourselves that usually we get from someone else, our brains are craving freedom. Even if it's a construct, we don't want to be imprisoned, right? I want to, you can't tell me what to do. You know, they might've been listening to this podcast and just like did 90-10 for two years. And then, you know, uh, two years from now they pull up, you know, there's like a get together at the Olive Garden and they've already hit their 90-10 And they're just like, Sean can't tell me what to do. And then they just go crazy on some breadsticks,
1: right? Uh, 50-50 all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: So, you know, you got to be able to understand our own psychology. And you don't have to jump into the deep water, right? You could just make it a process. Mm -hmm. And I I really want to thank you for what you shared earlier, which is just have the audacity to pay attention to how you feel. Just listen to your body. And I just actually tweeted this out. I randomly popped in on Twitter, but... I just tweeted out today that a great night of sleep is better than any supplement. True. It is, it's like, you're, you're like on some aerial, whole new world status, right? <sighs> Little Mermaid bag, when, you're, when you have a good night of sleep, it's just like, everything is so optimistic.
1: I'm singing Disney songs <laughs> up the street, man. I'm tap dancing Fred Astaire, man. I'm feeling great when I sleep.
0: This is just one of those inputs that our genes expect of us, and we try to like superficially treat that coffee, you know, nootropic, whatever, those things can be cool, but nothing can replace this biological input. Mm. So uh, shift the ratio, you know, shift your ratio to having more, a higher percentage of whole real foods. And there are wonderful, cool things you can do with real foods. Because I said ultra-processed, which can be confused, because even olive oil is processed. Mm. It's minimally processed. It's a simple process that's very different than taking corn and somehow becomes Lucky Charms, right? Right, Like, that, for, for that corn to become that, it's a lot of shit that has to happen. If you knew what actually happens, you would call the Ghostbusters. You know, you would get Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. You would call, you know, uh, your local vampire slayer, your Van Helsing, because it's a dark, monstrous process of turning this corn into this ultra-processed compound that, you know, the artificial flavors, the artificial colors, the preservatives, and just, it it is such a, it is a stressor on your body. Now, this is not to say in that 10% you can't have a bowl of Lucky Charms, Right. all right? If it brings you joy, that's another part of this conversation that needs to be addressed. Because within that stress equation, joy is a part of that too. Mm-hmm. Joy is such a powerful anti-stressor, right? A normalizer, a modulator, like that changes the chemistry of your body, right. makes you more resilient. The best time to eat that bowl of Lucky Charms is while you're feeling good. Right. The worst time to eat that bowl of Lucky Charms is when you're stressed out and other shit is going on. Right. But that's when we tend to do it, right? right? And so shift the ratio a- avoiding, if you can, you know, toxicants being very judicious and cautious about antibiotic use. Um, and again, it's not that antibiotics don't play a role or have a place, but the way that we use them today, it is really sick, it is it's sad. You know, even when COVID hit the scene, it's a viral issue and people are getting antibiotic prescriptions. Big time. And there's Again, pa- there's papers on this people can look up. Um, the other thing would be as I started off with is addressing the stress because the stress can tear apart that communication as well. So whatever that looks like for you, and I'm a huge advocate of using what you've got to get what you want. Right? We tell ourselves a story because like earlier when I dropped that little nugget about going to a hyperbaric chamber, yeah. I get visions of like Michael Jackson, you know, sleeping in like, oh man, that was so weird to me. Like, but I'm doing that because of the recommendation of this neuroscientist right? And I got a brain scan, all the things, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm doing it for a reason. I'm investing in myself. I'm taking that time. It's a meditative time, because you are literally locked in a chamber. Yeah. But somebody might hear that, like, I can't do that. I don't have the access. I'm from Ferguson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Like, when I walked out my door, the first thing I see is a liquor store. And then I'm inundated with, like, this. I didn't know what, a, I didn't know what yoga was. Like, right. that wasn't a thing to me. I didn't right. know about meditation and you know, all of these different modalities. I had access to that in my room. I had access to that in my apartment. I had this vast, infinite universe within my own body. I had space right there. I could work out. There's these stories we tell ourselves, right? I'm, I'm the biggest advocate. I'm out here doing more to, to create top-down systems change than most anybody
1: mm-hmm. because
0: I know what it's like when I don't have access when I don't have the privilege to be able to just like go to a whole, in St. Louis itself, there was one Whole Foods, right? In St. Louis as a whole, which is a major city. When I moved, there were three, which I just moved like, what, three years ago. There were three Whole Foods, all right? Here in LA, you could literally throw a rock and hit one, right, so I didn't know what organic food was. I didn't know all these distinctions, like I didn't, all it was for me when I go out my door is just food, right? And the food that I was exposed to was food that was killing me and killing my family members. right? And so I'm a huge advocate of changing system-wide structure, but I'm also an advocate of our bottom-up change uh, in your ability to do something now. Despite your circumstances, we aren't just products of our environment, we're creators of our environment. Yeah. And so all I needed was to know, all I needed to know that it was possible. Like, and I know that this is in everybody. And so when I realized that part of the arthritic condition that I was experiencing with my spine at just 20, right, this very advanced aging disease I had developed, if I would have known how important it was to exercise, I could have accessed that, but I didn't know. Physicians were telling me don't do anything, which is the worst thing you could do is to do nothing. Yeah. You know, you're everything everything's going to atrophy. And so just knowing that bit of data, I realized, okay, I can do this. I can go to Forest Park and I can walk. Right, or I can again do some push-ups in my, some push-ups and some air squats in my apartment. Uh, if I would have known about the power of meditation and all the immune modulating benefits, all the benefits with my sleep, all the benefits with modulating my stress that I was experiencing, all the benefits with my cognition and being able to actually get clarity on my life for free. In my room, I could have accessed it, right? Mm-hmm. Training would be great, but guess what? Now, when I, when I went through this 20 years, well, 22 years ago now, um, we didn't have smartphones. So guess what? You know who you can hang out with and learn from this stuff? You can learn from Dr. G.
1: Yeah, just pick go.
0: up your phone for free. Yeah. So that barrier to entry has dissolved so much, and at this point, it's just really about choice. What do you choose to engage with, mm-hmm. and if you're choosing to be empowered or if you're choosing to remain a victim.
1: And, that, and that's all we have to do. Make that one choice with wherever I am, the context of where I am, the environment where I am, what is the choice that I'm choosing? I know what you're saying. 20 years ago, when I, didn't, I was just getting a smartphone, you know, or I don't even know if I had it back then, I just, we just had books and we didn't, you know, yeah. what do we do? I can't read this whole book and then another book about the antithesis of this and then which one do I do? Man, we got YouTube videos, we got a podcast for everything. Now we got a journal for everything, we can just type in you know, whatever bias we're looking for and get that. It, it's all here. The transformation of information has been, in 20 years, has been incredible. But man, all we gotta do is watch YouTube. You, you're telling me when I was in med school, I couldn't get to the gym, but I used to have uh, this this yoga, I forgot the name of the yoga girl that I used to follow, but she had the best yoga videos. And I was like, shoot, man, I can't get to the gym today. Let me do 30 minutes of yoga. And I was like feeling great and then right back to studying for my exam, you know. Yeah. And we can all do that. We can all do that. It was, it's just really powerful to think. When you said the cog in the wheel, man, I was thinking about back back in, in the part where you were saying when we get in the pharmaceuticals, we just become a cog in the whole pharmaceutical system, the giant machine that kind of keeps... American economy running. Yeah. Pharmaceutical industry has such an impact on everything. There's only two countries, one of them that really have our advertising over and over. We put on the TV. We could watch daytime TV and see it nonstop, man. It's crazy. So I know you did a really good post recently, and I was I was really fired up when I saw it. You were talking a little bit about Pfizer. Yeah. What What happened with that?
0: So a lot of folks don't realize, And again, I have to come into this and check my biases, right? To be open to the fact that Pfizer and other pharmaceutical companies can come up with great products that can help to save lives and empower citizens. Like I have to come into this with that distinction. And full disclosure, I have people in my audience, you know, I have friends, who work at CDC, Pfizer, like I'm, I'm involved in so many different aspects of this. And so I realize that there are good people working at all of these entities that might create some kind of like inflammatory response for us right now. But most importantly, the most important thing that we need to do as a society right now when it comes to entities like this is to simply come into it with a level of discernment, right, and be able to Instead of leaning, leaning on our emo- emotions, lean on logic, All right. Now, logically speaking, Pfizer was convicted of the greatest kind of fraud and racketeering operation in the history of the Department of Justice at, for a pharmaceutical company. They were ordered to pay over $2 billion in fines because of their criminal offenses. We're talking about multiple felony offenses They were the first pharmaceutical company to get convicted of a RICO charge. RICO violations were created, right, racketeering for organized crime syndicates because they were literally organizing crime, criminal activities throughout their their organization in order to influence and create bias in the minds of practitioners and of customers, right? Ill, not just unethical, but creating illogical, biases right that were driven by money and so number one looking at an an organization that creates such a huge breadth of crime like that number one and nobody goes to jail that's part of it because the entity is guilty now here's what i didn't talk about and a lot of people don't know this even in that even in that scenario with the fallout from that and by the way i know one of my friends, like uh, Dr. John Abramson out of Harvard, TTS healthcare policy. He was involved in a litigation against Pfizer. Like he didn't, he was brought in as an expert witness. It wasn't his intention to like go out. He doesn't care. It's not like that. But he just got to see the internal documents, the emails, all this stuff. Had to sign an NDA. Obviously, he got to see where the bodies are buried. He got to see how dark it was.
1: Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega threes. You know, I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right? we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand not only just with Omegas, across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or in your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Peoria's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puri is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning and all their fantastic products to you the heal Thyself listener that's 20 percent off even the already discounted subscription price i want you to go to peori.com use my promo code drg that's p-u-o-r-i.com slash drg to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by peori these days Not just for energizing my body. You know, we all want to get that caffeine kick. Yeah, okay. But for the amazing gut health, metabolism-boosting, and antioxidant benefits The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system. The EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently. And the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up. So easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash DRG. You're going to get 50% off plus all those freebies.
0: And again, this turned out to be a multi-billion dollar fine. That's a lot of money, but to Pfizer, not really. And what they were able to do that I don't talk about as often because it's a little bit complex they created a basically a shell company that received that felony so that because our government deemed that Pfizer was essentially too big to fail. There was such an integral part of our economy. And what about all the other medicines that they're, we can't let this company go down. So they created a fucking shell company to take the hit. Nobody went to jail. It's a slap on the wrist violation. When you don't, when you don't face consequences for committing crimes, it doesn't dissuade you from committing crimes again, right? There was not an example made, so the industry continued to operate like that. So much so, so Pfizer, that's just one of their criminal offenses. You know, if we're talking about Bextra, if we're talking about PrimPro, which they ended up paying $1.2 billion in fines for causing women to develop breast cancer, and they knew this internally. Again, internal documents, again, showed that this increased risk was there but they still marketed the drug and hid, they proactively hid its consequences, the side effects. And they made a shitload of money. Like, come on, again, this is just being logical. We need to come into this with skepticism. Like, wait a minute, they've, they've done some pretty fucked up things. Like let's, they were also convicted of illegally experimenting a new drug on children in Nigeria, right? And they got caught, kids fucking died. And it took 15 years for their families to be compensated. Wow. Pfizer, this was Pfizer's responsibility. Pfizer drove this. They've also been convicted multiple times of illegal activity in other countries, where even m- means of like bribery and fraud and all these different things, the laws are more lax. They still got caught. But the, I'm just talking about the times they got caught. One of them was a $60 million fine for bribery that they were doing in places like China and Russia and other countries. Right? So this is a normal, this is a normal policy or normal operating system, a modus operandi of Pfizer. Not to mention other. And I can go. I can do this all day. All I can go down the list. You know, um, one of them that hits home close for me is Vioxx, right? Merck's drug Vioxx. And This is a nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory, COX-2 inhibitor, and it hits hits close to me because when I was 20 years old and diagnosed with this advanced arthritic condition of my spine, I didn't know shit about my body. I didn't know what was going on. My doctor, who was morbidly obese, told me, again, that part I don't say as often as I should. He told me that this was incurable. He said, there's nothing I could do. He said, we're gonna give you some pain medication to help you to deal with this. This is something you're just gonna have to live with, son. I'm sorry. We can look at surgery in the future for you, but I'm sorry, this is incurable. At the time, there were a couple of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that were all the the business. They were the hottest things out there. One of them was Celebrex and one of them was Vioxx. Vioxx ended up causing at least 140,000 heart attacks in Americans. This is all documented. Killed upwards of 60,000 U.S. citizens. Died from taking Vioxx. I was a prescription pad away from taking Biox. He wrote me a prescription for Celebrex, which Celebrex, I ended up having this weird side effect of restless leg syndrome, which didn't have its drug then, you know, its thing then. But I didn't die. I didn't have a heart attack, right? Still treating a symptom didn't address the underlying cause of why I was in pain, but I was a prescription pad away from possibly being in that number not sitting here with you today. Because I didn't, I just went went to him, I just want to get out of pain, just help me. And that's part of the problem. Doctor means teacher.
1: Mm. That's what that's it's just to think that you were one prescription pad away, right? Maybe you would have a heart attack. Maybe you wouldn't. But regardless, Viox. I remember the, the commercials, the lawsuits that I would watch on yeah. TV back when, you know, I was like, oh, what's going on with Viox now, right? And to think that you're just exposing so much corruption that we we sort of like know, you know, I think a lot of people are. You know, pharmaceutical industry. I, I don't feel very good about it. I don't want to take it unless I have to. Yeah. But to think, there's egregious penalties out there, and 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 to think how much money they have. That they a slap on the wrist is hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. But man, like it's it's now. This is why we do what we do, right? Because great at emergent situations. My arm's falling off. You better give me some corticosteroids. Yeah. You know, for the for the, for the, for the thereafter. But. Man, the prevention stuff,
0: this is where it's where it's at. So yeah, you know okay. I, I want to close this point too with with Pfizer in particular, because obviously, it's just like, well, still they're doing something good more recently. Obviously, news has come out recently about, you know, the clinical trials. But here's what i I did, and I'm gonna keep this as clean as possible, all right? What I do is, in such a, again, I'm very grateful to be able to have this network of individuals but I reached out to the person who wrote the peer-reviewed paper. It's on the NIH's site analyzing the outcomes from the vaccine trials of Pfizer and Moderna, all right? And the title of the study is Outcome Reporting Bias in COVID Vaccines. And this is by Dr. Ron Brown, epidemiologist. And that's the first... I didn't say, no, don't... I was just like, first of all, I hear 95%. I'm like, great, this sounds awesome. Like... However, skepticism's there because I know who they are historically, right? And so I'm, I'm like, okay, this sounds good. Let me look at the data. I'm not just going to jump to any conclusions, assumptions. I'm not going to say that this is wrong and like this. these guys are the worst. This might be a solution for people right now, especially in a heightened state of fear. And so I went to the source. I went to the guy who wrote, the, again, the peer-reviewed paper analyzing their data. And... So recently, it's come out that you know the it was never designed to stop transmission of the disease, right? This wasn't a clinical endpoint. Now, the problem with that, and of course, the fact, fact checkers would throw the thing up, well, that's not new news, this was known. And I one of the pieces that I put out in that clip that you're talking about was the head of the CDC saying that it stops transmission, the head of Pfizer saying multiple times that it stops transmission, and then of course it's filtering its way up to the president of the United States saying that it stops transmission in this nationally broadcasted thing. And somebody, that's not marked as misinformation when they did that shit.
1: Mm.
0: Right? And also it's stopping transmission was the, was the launching pad towards discrimination for people who didn't have the passport or, you know, to being able to access, man, I got so many messages from people like, you know, I lost my job because of this. Right. Right? And it was on the grounds of these people who don't have it are carrying the infection potentially. The people who do have it it, don't carry the infection. Well, we know, and here's the crazy thing, all the way back in January and February of 2021, before the mass campaign, there was a study that was conducted in a, a, a... I love it because it's a ward study. It was done at a nursing home, a French nursing home, and the outcome from the study, this was published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Again, this was February, January, February of 2021, all right? And in the study, they, the outcome of the study was that vaccinated residents can carry and transmit COVID-19 to other residents. The vaccine status did not change anything, all right? So we had observational data and in the clinical trial data that Dr. Brown went through with me, they had this very interesting, uh, again, dictation of relative risk reduction versus absolute risk reduction, right? Have you talked about this Mm -mm. on your show at all? Mm -hmm. So relative risk reduction is that 95%, 94% sounds fantastic. And it's true. That's a relative risk reduction. This is more of a, a, what a number like that would be used for is like comparing one trial to another. It's more of a clinician's stat versus what would be relevant for you as an individual, as a citizen in the real world. And the absolute risk reduction is your risk reduction as an individual, right? And so after he ran the data, he found that, yes, the uh, relative risk reduction was 95% for the Moderna vaccine. No, for Pfizer. And Moderna was 94%. The absolute risk reduction, the risk reduction for you as a person in the real world for the Pfizer vaccine was 0.7%. Giant gap. Less than 1% risk reduction. For you as an individual in the real world. And for the Moderna, it's 1.1% risk reduction. So obviously, it's just like, what the? Because 95% is gonna get people out in droves. Like, I get 95% protection. Not perfect. That was the thing go- going off the people's lips, you know, health uh, officials. Not perfect protection. No, this is far from that. We're talking about less than 1% in the case of Pfizer. They didn't communicate that, though. Absolutely not. And that's unethical because it's even an FDA policy to communicate. Adv- the absolute risk reduction as well, because that's the more viable public health number to consider. Now, here's the thing: this is the biggest part that's left out of the conversation. Him and I talked about it, of course, and, and we shared this with you know hundreds of thousands of people, you know, through my platform, which I'm grateful for. But it's a risk reduction of what? That's the thing. When you hear that in the beginning, 95% risk reduction. Of what? In the minds of the public, because of these officials saying that it stops transmission, that's what people were thinking initially. 95% reduced reduce risk in getting it, in getting mm-hmm. COVID, mm-hmm. right? But that wasn't the case because that wasn't a clinical endpoint. And so also then, the, then they pivoted to, well, this is going to keep you from getting severely sick. But that wasn't found as a clinical endpoint as well. In the study, it was a 95% relative risk reduction, and a 0.7% absolute risk reduction in you developing mild symptoms. Wow. That's That's what the clinical endpoint was. It was not found to reduce hospitalizations or infections or even death in the clinical trials. It just wasn't, and that's okay. It just wasn't. That messaging changed based on observational data, right, from, you know, we could just say from hospital intakes that it reduces hospitalizations but here's a fundamental problem in science like this is this is known this is a va- basic premise of science observational data does not show causality
1: mm.
0: it can't it can show a correlation but it cannot show that taking this thing created this thing because there's too many confounding factors yeah. and there's such an open place to create bias because it's not a randomized, placebo-controlled study where you can see that this intervention caused this thing. And part of it, in the last little part that I'll share, and again, I'll give you the link for this, I was looking at one of the observational studies used to create that narrative, that you know this is a pandemic of the unaffiliated, the uninjected, and that hospitals were filled with people who weren't getting uh, this particular new, new medicine. And so this was published by the CDC, and because it's an observational study, they can create their own structure of things and create their own messaging. And what they did was they literally eliminated from the hospitalization count anybody who had a pre-existing immunosuppressing condition, which is any chronic disease.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So heart disease, diabetes, obesity, even uh, depression. All, right? all of these people were just eliminated from the data set. The people who supposedly needed this the most, they took them out. If they were hospitalized, if they had been vaccinated twice with Pfizer's vaccine, and yet they were obese, they fucking took them out of the count. Whoa. So that was number one. And also, to create an even more clean data set of just pristinely healthy people and also following their rules, they kind of found a way to finesse the 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 title of being fully vaccinated so if they had two different vaccines then they weren't counted if they had something other than pfizer moderna and johnson johnson they weren't counted if they didn't meet that two-week thing you know it's like a t- all of these things they just took people out even if they were hospitalized even if they were vaccinated they just took them out of the count and create this clean little data set like it's just like i don't want these unhealthy people messing up our data yeah. i don't want people who've Gotten, who've gotten vaccinated like we said, but not like the way that we specifically want in this study, they took it out and then they create this narrative that, hey, you know, this is stopping people from being hospitalized. So, well. you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we can be able to have this conversation. And the data exists. I don't care. This is the thing about me. If it was the opposite, I'd be the biggest champion for it. Like, hey, it is what it is. Like, this is, this is a great product. The company is definitely sketchy. has a history of crimes. This is a product that can be helpful. I'm very comfortable saying that. And this is what it comes to with people doing the work and not basing their assumptions on prejudice and snap judgments that's, that's happened in recent, these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Family members separating, friends, yeah. you know, colleagues and all of this hatred and polarization. It's largely because we're not taking the time to just digest things. And we take our bias and we start to ground ourselves in it, especially when we're riddled with fear especially if we've been impacted and we've had someone taken from us, whether it's literally their life or them distancing from, from us, right? It can start us to dig our heels in and we don't start to see with a meta perspective on this stuff, Yeah, you know? And so for me, again, I'm not gonna sit back and let them paint a narrative that it's not true and not say something about it. Yeah. Because it, it exists, like the data exists. The clinical trial did not show that this stops transmission. It not, did not show that it prevents severe infections or stops hospitalizations or that it stops people from dying. It just, so what it is at the end of the day, that you know, the, the industry itself has made, you know, hundred billion plus dollars, it's a shitty product. It's a really, really low quality product. They kept changing the narrative on, they kept explaining away, and they got away with it. And there's still, here's the thing, and why this matters right now they're still getting away with it as it's getting added to a vaccine schedule for children. Mm. Mm. Like, on what grounds? On on what what grounds? grounds. Yeah, They've got a lot left over right now because the show up for the next booster just didn't happen like they wanted because more of the data started to come out.
1: Right, people start educating and and backfiring of people like you talking about it and listening to it, right? Um, Which is wild because I've known a lot of people who've gotten the vaccine who've gotten really sick right actually more people who i know got the vaccine at least in my life got sick versus i can name maybe one person who didn't get sick but he's like superman you know so it's 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 beautiful that you highlight that my uh, i'll just i'm
0: not going to say again any names but somebody very close to me their their teacher at school just got the booster out of school for the week
1: mhm mhm yeah very common man
0: now again then we can get into this place. Well, well, if he, if he didn't have the, have it, if he didn't have the booster, then you know this thing could have taken him out. That's all theoretical. That's theoretical, and that's just another narrative. Like I'm so grateful. You know, like when Albert Brola, the CEO of Pfizer, double double vaccinated two boosters, and then he got COVID. Yeah. He's like, I'm I'm so grateful that I got all these. You know. Because I would have died. Because I would have died. Yeah. That is completely theoretical because we can't go back in time and take it all out of his body. Right. And, and then, then see, see what would happen. Right. Like, because, again, it's theoretical because it was not shown in the randomized placebo-controlled clinical trials. That's what we're talking about. We can talk about observational data all day. It does not show causality. Observational data is used to affirm or even drive clinical trials. Mm-hmm. It is not in and of itself Showing causality. This is a basic tenet in science. Another thing that we were just like, "fuck it," you know. Our leading health professionals, colleagues, people who are in positions of power, even in the U.S. government, you know, the Surgeon General or whatever, just abandoned a basic tenet in science. Like this observational thing is saying this, but this does not show causality. It was just literally it just got deleted from their mental rolodex because of a narrative. We got to drive this narrative, and that that drive is coming from. This is the last thing I want to share it's coming from the influence that pharmaceutical companies have within our government. Just in the time span leading up to the 2020 election, uh, the pharmaceutical industry had about three lobbyists per Congress member. Wow. Right. Far more more than any other industry. And also they invested 50% more money into the United States Congress than any other industry. Wow. In 2020, two thirds of United States Congress members cast a check from pharmaceutical industry. Now, we can get into this place where again, we got Congress members that we support. We're like, they're championing our message. The, the, the way that it's constructed right now, it is so difficult to not have the tentacles of this system integrate itself into your life. Because it's just, if you wanna get, if you wanna get elected, like getting a check, like, like, but then you're in their pocket, you know? And so not to mention the FDA and the integration there, it's just, it is so wrong on every level. The last nine of the 10 last FDA commissioners, the top office in the FDA, have left to get high-paying positions with pharmaceutical companies. Whoa, yeah. Taking their fucking insider information with them. They can't, they don't men and black them. Like, no, they're taking that with them. They know how to work the system. Mm-hmm. And not only that, because of the advent of user fees under this guise of like helping to get more drugs to United States citizens, we'll let drug companies fund the FDA so that we can have more resources for faster drug approval.
1: Mm, that makes so much sense.
0: Now, the FDA, about 50% of their budget is from drug companies. They give, the FDA gives, the FDA gets billions of dollars every year from drug companies. 75% of their scientific review budget comes from drug companies. Like, I mean, it's so absurd. And this is just, I'm just scratching the surface on how the system works. This was published in the Journal of Science. They did a review because there's a physician board review when a new drug is proposed who reviews the, the drug for approval. And they found that about 40% of physicians on the review board of the FDA received, received payouts from pharmaceutical companies for drugs that they were reviewing or competitors' drugs. But they, it was post hoc. So they did it after the fact. And it's completely legal. This is why it's not hidden. They didn't get it at the time. It might be six months later when they get, and some of these guys literally got a million dollars. Six figures, you know, maybe 15,000 or a grant, right? The, the drug company is providing them later on. And this is so unethical. Like, but the way that our system is constructed it allows it to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so until we address these things, there's gonna be corruption, there's gonna be bribery, there's going to be the appearance of innovation, because another one of the uh, recent studies, and I, again, I shared this within that uh, post that I shared. And this was, you know, this was more, and I'll give you the link for this as well. This was more looking at the legal side. So, this was a journal dedicated to legalities and ethics and healthcare policy. And they found that within the time span that they had looked at, it was about 20 or 30 years, the drugs that were approved by the FDA, 90% of those new drugs that made hundreds of billions of dollars for pharmaceutical companies were not as good as or better than drugs that already existed. Mm. 90% of them, right? So again, your your, uh, patent is about to run out on Celebrex, so you create, oh, we got a time-release Celebrex now. Right. And if you actually look at the clinical trial data, it doesn't perform better than this thing, creates the illusion of innovation makes all of this money the big reason that there's so much lobbying going on recently just within the last few years with drug companies is that they're really fighting to make sure that there's no checks and balances on how much they can charge for drugs Mm -hmm. they want to be able to stay in control of that themselves and just keep hiking these prices up and creating the illusion like oh we, we need to get more access to healthcare. for what like it's a system that profits from our Collective degradation and sickness. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, until we create a true healthcare and wellness industry and revolution to where health is the tip of the spear and prevention, right? That's, until that point, you know, we're going to cont- continue to struggle and continue to outsource our bodies and the bodies of our families to entities that profit from our from our demise.
1: Which is a sick care system. All sick care in the way you highlight it. What made me, when you talked about the... Um, the FDA official on the board, on the team, I thought about the show Dope Sick. Have you seen this one? Yeah, absolutely. On OxyContin, yeah. and they, they had the guy from the FDA working for Purdue yeah. Pharma, and he had all of the insider information. He told them exactly when to file, how to he do it. Them he helped write them write their approval. Write their approval, which is crazy. And that is happening, I mean, that was a true story, but it's happening more than we ever think, so. Man, look, we, we could do another two hours. But you're a busy guy, I know you got a long schedule, and I think we, we really hit on so many important parts, man, from metabolism, losing fat, brain, gut, more brain than moving into the really good stuff where we were talking about, all the cor- all the corruption which needs to be highlighted without fear. and what I appreciate the most is that if you saw it differently in studies, you communicate it differently, right? you, you checking your bias is the way that I would really suggest that all these influencers on Instagram and all over the place do the same, right? Take out the bias, read it. What does it say? Please communicate it. To what it says. What is the breadth of it? And then I can go from there. Um, and that's what you do, so I appreciate it. You have a book coming out soon, right? Well, it's coming out in a year. Uh, coming out in a year, okay, yeah. but can you just get, what, what's, what's brewing in there? Do we know, can we know?
0: <laughs> so my my first book, Sleep Smarter, international bestseller, twenty-two different countries translated in now. Mm. And it created helped to create this movement of sleep wellness. And this was I the first iteration I wrote in 2013, 2014, I believe. And there had never been an international bestseller with a sleep wellness-related book. Because the the topic tends to be boring. Because right? we're sleeping through it. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and like again, some of the people that have written some of these books, these are my friends now, you know, my friends and colleagues, but it just didn't catch on. And so there was something special about this book, and I just believe that it was really simply because I made sleep attractive. I made it uh, tangible. Like, here are some very practical, clinically proven things you can do today. Like, just do these things. Versus being so much theory and so much focused on the problem. I just really focused on solutions. And, you know, so that that was the launching pad for the next book, which, I'm a nutritionist. Writing a, I didn't know that the sleep book was gonna do that, all right? I had no idea, but it put me in a different stratosphere. So when I talk about food, I have a bigger audience, a lot more hearts and and, and eyes and ears are watching and listening. And so when Eat Smarter came out, it was the, dude, it's so weird even saying this, it was the number one new release of all books in the United States
1: Mm -hmm.
0: until we ran out of stock because it came out right in the middle of COVID-related shipping delays and printing delays. I remember that. Yeah, so it it was heartbreaking. Like it was, but it still ended up, Just crushing it once they came back in stock. They sold out again immediately the same day but then once the 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 coffers were filled and It was able to have its long tail effect. It's it's been crazy. It's been amazing That brings us to the latest book which because of the success of eat smarter and thank everybody who got a copy of that book very very special and You know, it's a big idea book about nutrition, but it's also very practical, too and so my publisher was like And I, I, you know, the craziest thing, because it's a big idea book and I was reluctant, I actually was kind of going back and forth with my publisher. Like, I don't want to put, this is very anti, like me telling you exactly what to eat because everybody's unique. I'm giving you the tools to discover this yourself. And so I was reluctant in putting like specific recipes or like a food plan in the book, but I did. I was shocked to see over half of the posts when people sharing on social media, when it came out were people taking pictures of their food. And I'm just like, what the, like, because I put such a small, it's such a small part of the book. I was like, you know what, this culture, it really is, when it boils down to it, if we can create something we can actually feel, put into our bodies, like, that has a level of change and and intelligence that words just can't match, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And also, we're very sharing culture. We're, uh, you know, a visual culture. And so the next book is a cookbook, Eat Smarter Cookbook.
1: I'm excited and, for that one, man. Yeah, but it's, here's the
0: thing. It's called the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook, and we're digging in really on the data on our health outcomes being influenced by eating together with friends and family. It's, Essential. A, it's a game changer.
1: Essential. Everyone needs to be sitting down multiple times a week with their family or friends, and I, I can't wait to read all of these studies that you're going to be putting in there, all the data, how you synthesize it, and then making some good food, man. I, I ain't not hard to cook, but I guarantee my girlfriend will be going off on those. I'll be cleaning the dishes. Let's go, yeah. You, team, you, team you know how it is, it's a team effort, brother. <laughs> your, your podcast, obviously, Model Health Show, it's amazing stuff. Um, how do people find you, websites or Instagram? Awesome, yeah, so the
0: Model Health Show, and I'm on Instagram, at Sean Model on Instagram. And I pop in, like I just said earlier, I pop in on Twitter every now and then, so I'm at Sean Model on Twitter as well. And yeah, that's, those are the best places to find me. And of course you can pick up Eat Smarter and Sleep Smarter anywhere books are sold. Uh, of course, you know, uh, support your local bookstores, but Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the good stuff. We had a national campaign with Target. I used to work at Target when I was, you know,
1: saying in high school. How it was times so weird. have changed. Uh, right. <laughs> How times have changed. So, yeah, you can pick them up
0: anywhere the books are sold.
1: All right. So, viewers, listeners, go check it out. Man, I got to thank you, our resident guest. You see, you, you, you're, resident every, you're resident here too, man. Every few months, every six months, we have you back on. I appreciate you, man. Your breath of fresh air, your breath of information. You're a breath of innovation, Sean, my man. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right, I've done a few shows with some merch, on that says, heal thyself. A lot of people have been asking, where do I get this? I'm very excited to make this premiere. So first and foremost, you know I'm crazy about chemicals. It took a long time to launch this because we had to find the right brand to work with to make sure that we're getting organic materials out to you and sustainable. Very important for me to get behind, you know that. So, what we have here is a beautiful crew neck, organic cotton, heal thyself, gray. Fits nicely, falls on the shoulders nicely. We got these beautiful corduroy hats that are coming in all different colors. This is one of the most popular ones already that have been asked about, one of my favorite ones. And we got this beautiful hemp one. This one has weight to it, right? It's got some beautiful weight, sustainable, clean, a little bit stretchy, heal thyself, hemp one. It's out there. Listen, go to hts.today. It's now open to the public to get your merch. Like I said, all organic cotton, all organic materials, all sustainable, the best of the best for you. You can be swagged down on the Heal I Self Merchant, I'm excited to see it. Perfect timing for Black Friday, perfect timing for the holidays coming up. I know a lot of you say, hey, my husband loves your show, my wife loves your show, look at this. Now you got a gift of the hottest swag out there, the cleanest swag, sustainable, the best of the best. Check it out. Okay, this trend has been spreading like wildfire. My God, I've been seeing it all over TikTok, all over Instagram. You don't know how many people DM me, hey, Doc G, should I be sunning my butthole in my career? You know, I got this white coat on and from all these nuance and complex studies that I'm reading and all the medical textbooks, all the library books I'm reading and published studies. And now in my career, I'm sitting here talking about sunning your butt crack. It's very ironic, but all jokes aside, If you Google butthole or perineal sunning, you will see a lot of articles. And I can't really pinpoint when I saw this trend first or when it started. I believe it was in the earlier part of 2020, right before COVID. I remember my friend, Troy Casey, the certified health nut, he's a crazy man. But he was naked on uh, maybe his backyard or something doing a happy baby pose with the sun hitting his nether regions and talking about all the benefits of it. And for me, I'm like, am I missing something that i not hear about this new research study that came out? But when I researched into this, it actually preceded me seeing Troy doing some butt sunning. It was actually in 2019, started by, from what we seem to understand, this influencer called Metaphysical Megan. And it was followed up by famous actor Josh Brolin, who played uh, Thanos in Avengers, if you saw, or he's been in many other movies. But they were doing some perineal sunning. Perineal is the space between the genitals and the anus, and it's nutrient-rich and it's blood-rich. Now, according to the Journal of Medical Internet Research, they did a study in 2020 and they said, after this post that went viral, there was a 919% increase of searches for perineal and butthole sunning through December 31st. Now, what I saw was a few biohacker buddies starting to do the same thing and it became a trend. Big, but not too big. And then it died off pretty quick. I didn't really hear about it for two years. And then it came back with a vengeance. I started seeing it all over TikTok again and Instagram. And now people were saying, hey, this is amazing because you're absorbing light. It's sucking up light more than any part in the body is what people are saying, right? You're getting more sun energy in the regions that don't shine. And it's balancing your hormones and increasing libido and bettering your sleep, et cetera. So let me start by saying this. There ain't no studies on showing the benefit of perineal or butthole sunning. And on the contrary, I'd stay away from it. Or if you choose to do this, only do it for a few minutes. Now don't get me wrong, I'm a big advocate of letting the sun hit your naked body. When I lived in Topanga, I would tan naked daily, right? But why am I not a fan of direct sun hitting your dark parts? Well, the skin is super sensitive there, and it's extremely vulnerable to burn. And through prolonged practice, more and more burns and then predisposition to skin cancer. And one of the most dangerous things is when you have skin cancer growing in a spot that you ain't seeing every single day. Now the skin is really thin here. So even a small amount of the sun rays can cause a painful burn. And this is exactly what happened to Josh Brolin. As he quoted on his social media, my pucker hole is crazy burned, he wrote. And he added, I was going to spend the day shopping with my family and instead I'm icing and using aloe and burn creams because of the severity of the pain. And of course, it's a thin area that doesn't get a lot of sun. It didn't evolve to get a lot of sun. So when you're exposing yourself in happy baby pose or whatever, your nether regions, and getting a lot of sun, you're predisposing yourself to burn really fast. So now let me take a step back. You know how I feel about the sun. You know how I feel about skin cancer. And yes, the sun can be damaging and it can lead to skin cancer, but no, it's not exclusively because of the sun. And yes, there's a major piece that has to do with it, but it's more so your antioxidant and inflammatory status. The more inflamed you are, the less antioxidants you have in your body, the less equipped you are to handling the powerful rays of the sun. Now, personally, I know before I go in the sun, before I'm having a beach day, or I know I'm gonna be playing frisbee outside for a long time, I'm eating chlorophyll rich foods. A lot of dark leafy greens, I'm drinking matcha, I'm actually taking chlorophyll as a supplement before, because I know I'm replenishing my antioxidants so I don't burn, and guess what? I don't burn, especially when I'm making sure that I'm upping my antioxidants during the day. Now, I wanna point this out, the sun is not necessarily a problem. We know this, right? Go check my show with Matt Maruca. Very well researched in sun, he knows some of the best scientists in sun science. It's our environment that affects it more so. And by that I mean an internal environment, as I mentioned. So you must remember the UV intensity varies. For example, the sun will rise and will expose you to minimal UV. Whereas you get a really strong dose around 10 to two, the midday sun. When I recommend the sun, I recommend exposing the maximum amount of skin for about 20 to 30 minutes, but you wanna avoid burning. Now, when the body's antioxidant system is not working correctly, it's not quenching reactive oxidant species, those free radicals that are caused by the stress of the sun. Some of these free radicals are just made in the body naturally through its processes, but yes, the sun can cause damage in especially an unhealthy, antioxidant-depleted individual. So what happens? The protective mechanism is down in your cells. Skin cells, particularly the membrane, is affected. And then the DNA is damaged. Mitochondrial DNA is damaged. Lipids, proteins, enzymes begin to dysfunction. So this is a problem in an unhealthy body. So very important, antioxidants. This is the most important part. This is nature's inherent. This is your natural sunblock from the inside out. And the more antioxidant density you have in the body, the more quenched you are with antioxidants, the less inflamed you are, the better you are protected against the sun. Now the reason fruits and veggies are the healthiest foods on the planet are for my book, they Trump Animal Products, not only because of the fiber, but the antioxidants. The antioxidants in plants are unmatched and they're everything for longevity, for cancer prevention, for inflammation, and of course, skin health. But what worsens skin issues or skin health is when the body's antioxidant system is not working properly. It is not quenching those reactive oxygen species that are being created like hydroxyl radicals, superoxide, peroxyl, alkoxyl radicals, the singlet oxygen, hydrogen peroxide, and organic peroxide. Some are made as byproducts, as I mentioned, naturally in the body, but when you're being exposed, and not being able to quench these from the sun can be a problem. So others come from the ones mentioned earlier, right? Excess UV rays, ionizing radiation, we know, like X-rays or gamma rays. Even pollution or environmental toxins are causing these byproducts. Air quality, really important. What are you breathing in? Not only what's going in your skin, but what are you breathing in? What's going in your mouth? They all play a role in damaging the body and burdening your antioxidant system. But this is why antioxidant-rich foods, fruits and vegetables, are so important. Now. We know some of my favorites are the dark leafy greens, a lot of dark spinach, right? Maybe kale. You can even go to romaine lettuce, chlorophyll-rich foods, cruciferous foods, right? The broccolis, the Brussels sprouts, matcha before you're going out, getting even a chlorophyll supplement, as I mentioned before. All of these things are antioxidant-rich, but I also love pomegranates, watermelon, right? Pineapples, papaya, all of these things are giving your body all of the antioxidant it needs, especially when you're going to be out in the sun. So this is protecting you from rapid aging of the cell and ultimately your skin being healthy in the sun. But inflammation is super important. Chronic inflammation is a fire burning in the body. If you're inflamed, you are creating these oxidants in the body. So the sun is going to be even more damaging to the body when you're in an inflamed state. So, These over time will take away from your internal environment and ultimately reflect on your external experience. So you gotta get to the root of it. Get away from processed foods. Standard American diet, those processed oils, the canola oils of the world, right? The seed oils, the soybean oil, the corn oils. Staying away from simple carbs, high sugar foods, food coloring, all those chemicals in foods staying more in whole, colors of the rainbow. High inflammatory six foods, more anti-inflammatory three foods. Really important, this is a major source, the standard American diet, of inflammation. And this is why the sun is so damaging to us. So can you adapt an anti-inflammatory diet? Most of us eat fruits and veggies, but can we eat them as a base to our diet and adding on to that with the protein or carbs, whatever you're eating, but making sure you're protecting your body. More antioxidants, more health. More antioxidants, more protection from the sun-damaging rays. More inflammation, more disease, period, but also more vulnerability towards the sun's damaging rays. So should you be butthole or perineal sunning? My answer at this moment is no, no good research. Very sensitive area, very vulnerable area. You don't wanna burn it. And as a side note, if you have herpes, it can activate herpes if you're exposing your genital or that region to the sun and the sun stress. So just pay attention to it. There's a lot of better ways out there of getting vitamin D. There's a lot of better ways of getting all of the benefits of the sun. Uh, just step outside. You can be naked if you want, but you don't need to fully expose yourself and those very sensitive regions. So, final take don't butthole sun, don't perineal sun. Yes, you can be outside. Yes, you can even be naked, but just pay close attention to your body. Pay close attention to inflammation or burning. Pay very close attention to what your internal environment is if you're inflamed or if you have a high level of antioxidants. And if you don't, start bringing in those foods into your diet, all those fruits, all those vegetables. And if you're gonna be outside especially, make sure you have a big, big breakfast of vegetables and fruits and a lunch to make sure you're protecting your body and protect yourself from the sun and always, always be in touch with your body. If you're burning, if you're getting hot, go seek some shade, stay out the sun, listen to your body before anything. All right, thank you for joining the show. Rating, reviewing, subscribing. If you have not yet, know that it helps the show so much to expand to people who haven't heard it yet. But as always, if you've been here since day one, or since this show, or didn't like our show, and then came back, whatever it is, love you all, and thank you for joining, and get that merch swag. It is on fire. I wanna see you all making stories on it. Can't wait.